Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Monday, March 28th, 2022. I am Dave Biddle. I'm very happy to be joined by Steve Hellwagon. Steve and I have made a pact. We're not going to talk about each other's wives. We're not going to make fun of each other's wives, and we're not going to slap the crap out of each other. So, um, well, it'd be hard to do. You're 25 miles away. So that is true. <laughs> but even if we were face-to-face, uh, we would not be slapping each yeah. other. By the way, are you, are you Team Chris Rock or Team Will Smith? I'm Team Chris Rock on this one. Well, uh, man, Chris Rock, he, he, he did take a little bit of a low, low shot there with the GI Jane thing, but, um, Will Smith, should, he should have, he should have handled it better than he did. No doubt. You don't, you don't hit somebody on live TV in front of, you know, what's, what's the Oscars down to now about 4 million viewers. So. <laughs> a lot of people think it was a publicity stunt and I'm, get I'm, viewership I'm back for the Oscars. Yeah. I don't I'm know. a skeptic by nature. So usually I'm, I'm on board with stuff like that. I don't think it was a publicity. I don't think stunt. it was. I think I Will, was. Will now, was. He was smiling when he said it, but then five seconds later, he's charging up on the stage. So <laughs> that's the only thing that makes you think it was staged or, uh, you know, he he was showing faux outrage. I don't know, but uh, then then surreal for him to get the best actor award ten minutes later was just uh, you know I don't know what's Kevin Warren going to do with him? Is he going to get five games or what? You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was saying. Like Twitter is undefeated. Of course, Jawan Howard is trending right along with all of this stuff. We know who will play Jawan Howard in the documentary about the Fab Five. So yeah. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. Okay, we're not going to talk about the Oscars. Uh, I mean, no. maybe maybe it was staged. I don't think it was. I think just yeah, because Will Smith was initially laughing at the joke. Then he noticed Jada was pissed. So then he decided, "Oh, I got." Then he just lost his damn mind. All yeah. right, let's let's move it right along here and and talk some Ohio State football. Um, so um, reasonable expectations in year one for Jim Knowles' defense. I'm curious to get your take on that. I've talked a lot about this. I mean, they were 59th in the country last year in total defense. And really, Steve, I mean, they're they're really worse than that. They didn't really play any good offenses, and and they still were 59th in the country in total defense. This year they got a tougher schedule. We'll get to that in a moment. But just what are your expectations for this Jim Knowles defense in year one? Well, I think you got to be real excited about the direction they're going to take. And I think it'll make a quantum leap in one year because first of all, they do have a lot of the guys back who played last season. And so when you look at it in those terms, those guys will all be a year older, a wiser, smarter, faster, stronger, bigger. And, and it does make a difference. I know maybe some of those guys didn't play particularly well last year in the defense that they had, but at the same time, I just think experience means so much when you talk about uh, going from, say, a sophomore year to a junior year or a redshirt freshman year to a sophomore year. I think that it does mean a lot. So, and, and I think when you look at it, uh, defensive line-wise, if they stay healthy, uh, they've got a pretty good first uh, two deep, I think, along the, the defensive line. I think that they are probably close to two deep at cornerback and definitely two deep at safety. 
So they've got the talent and they've got the people who can play. Now it's putting them in a scheme that makes sense and fits what those players can do. And I think that's what Jim Knowles will do. I think they'll make a quantum leap. If they were 59th last year, I think they get back in the top 25 nationally defensively this coming year. And if you talk about yardage, that's important. You know, the points allowed was just so alarming last year uh, to give up the number of points that they did at times. And uh, if they get that back down around, I don't know what the average was, around 20 maybe or 20, I don't know, maybe in the low 20s last year. If they get that a touch, cut a trim a touchdown off of that and get it back down around 14, I think that's where this defense should be. Yeah, I, I think they're going to be much improved, um, no doubt about it. I, I'm just curious to see how much they're going to improve. They're, they're, they will be improved. I, Jim Knowles, I've been impressed with all things Jim Knowles so far. Um, and I was impressed with everything I heard about him um, before he even arrived at Ohio State. And so we'll see what happens. And, it, you know, Steve, if they do finish in the top 25 in total defense, I'll, I'll, I'll say it right now, they're going to win the national championship because this offense will be elite. It will be the number one offense in the country. Um, let's get into the schedule. We've both followed Ohio State football for a long time. I cannot remember a schedule more interesting and difficult. Now, I don't think it's like – you know, a complete like I'm, I'm, still, I'm, still, yeah. I'm still bullish that Ohio State is going to make the playoffs this year, even with this schedule. Because I think, you know, I don't think I don't see them losing more than one game and 12 and one Ohio State with this schedule as Big Ten champs. They would get in. They can't lose two games, but they have the wiggle room to lose one. Maybe they'll go undefeated. I, I really like this roster. My question for you, sir, can you remember a schedule this tough for Ohio State? Because I cannot. Yeah, about the only thing that comes to mind, Dave, was back in uh, 1995. It was the first year I was covering the team full-time for Buckeye Sports Bulletin. Uh, they opened with Boston College in the kickoff classic. Then they played Washington at home, Pittsburgh on the road, and back home with Notre Dame in that big game from 1995. It was the first time that they played Notre Dame in 59 years. So you had four major conference opponents right off the jump there, which is unheard of. In this day and age, you would never do anything. That would be considered to have more than one in this day and age, Dave, is uh, is scheduling suicide. And, of course, they're playing nine Big Ten games now. They only played eight back then. And I think that does make a bit of a difference, too, because even though, okay, say your ninth game is Minnesota or Northwestern or whoever it might be, it's still – a conference game and, and a physical game and everything else that goes with it. But uh, to play Notre Dame, um, obviously Notre Dame meant a lot more 30 years ago than it does today. Uh, you know, it, and they did have a playoff team here a, a year or two ago. And uh, Marcus Freeman has taken over as the head coach there to kind of take that program in a new direction after, after uh, Kelly had some really good success there. I mean, he did win a national championship, but he did, get to a championship game, I think two playoffs in his time there. So he, he did, did some, some good things there. Uh, got, got to the ACC championship game too, didn't he? Or I forget how that all went, but uh, you know, um, that's, that's a big one in Ohio state back in 95, they used that game as kind of a way to prop up season ticket sales and those kind of things. And uh, I think they're doing the kind of the same thing this year. So, uh, you know, to have Notre Dame and Michigan on your home schedule in the same season, it just really says it all. But then to have Wisconsin and Iowa 
who have been the two top teams in the West year in and year out uh, over the last 10 years or however long they've had the West, you know, eight years, uh, really says a lot in and of itself. At Penn State, which I don't, I don't care how bad Penn State – and Penn State's actually going to – their roster is not bad at all. At but Penn even State. If, even if it was – And New at Year's Michigan or, State. Yeah. I mean, Michigan was, State won a New Year's Six Bowl game. Well, even if Penn State was mediocre, we all know. I mean, they get up for Ohio State like nobody else. And it that is a wideout. It, it is a wideout. It, it's always it a wideout. It is a wideout. Um, and now one thing I'll say about at Michigan State, Ohio State has owned Michigan State and East Lansing. Michigan State's – Ruined some seasons, but those games have happened in Columbus. It's weird. Columbus. Like Ohio State, yeah, Michigan State. You and I covered yeah. a game there. I was D'Antonio's first or second year. There are Terrell Pryor's freshman year, 2008. Yeah. I think they still just scored another touchdown. Yeah, uh, that was bad. Michigan State brought a young quarterback off the bench that game named Kirk Cousins. It was his coming out party a little bit. By that, I mean he's had like one touchdown, but I think it was their only touchdown the entire game. The only thing they could get going the entire game is when they put this little Kirk Cousins guy in late in the fourth quarter. All right, uh, we got some questions I want to get to. I, I find this one interesting. Now, I've answered this one before on the show, but Ed wants to know, Steve, the top five wide receivers in order for Ohio State. Go. Jackson Smith, the Jigba, A. Uh, uh, Mecca Buka, two. Uh, Fleming, will he be three? That's a good question. Uh, uh, Marvin, well, no, 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 no. Back up, back up. Marvin Harrison Jr., two. Emeka Buka, three. Julian Fleming, four. And then five, I have no idea. Could Jayden be Ballard. Jaden Ballard. Cameron Ballard. You can say healthy. I, I'm Jayden, with you on that. You nailed it. Jaden Ballard. You just don't know. Maybe one of the freshmen will break out. Uh, I, I just – yeah, it, it, it's hard to say, but uh, yeah, I think it's pretty clear Jackson Smith, the Jigba, and Marvin Harrison are going to have just humongous, humongous seasons. I think uh, playing with uh, C.J. Stroud as their quarterback, uh, you know, he's he's just gonna he's gonna go out and throw for 350 yards every week. It seems like I am completely with you, man. I, I've answered this question. We talked about this last week. Somebody had a question. I was like, yeah, give me J.S.N. Marvin Harrison, Emeka Ibuka. Julian Fleming, Jaden Ballard, in that order. You, you know, life is good when uh, I don't know. Maybe Julian Fleming will be better than the fourth receiver. And this is nothing against him. I'm just high on all these guys. The number one wide receiver in the country in what what was that? The 2020 class entering his third year would be the number four receiver on this team. Emeka Buka, who was the He's number one receiver healthy. in the yeah. in the 2021 class, uh, also was the number one wide receiver in the country. It is absolutely crazy. Um, one more question here, and then I want to get to some basketball. Heisman favorites that aren't on Ohio State. Well, Bryce Young would be one. Bijan yeah. Robinson, I would think. I really, I mean, I love Travion Henderson, so I'm not uh, upset that Ohio yeah. State lost out on Bijan Robinson. He, he would be another one. Who, who am I leaving out here? What about the Clemson quarterback if he has some? Because last, yeah. last half of the season, they were awesome. I mean, once they got their stuff figured out, you know, they, they had to go through a couple really bad games to sort out who could play and, and what was working and those kind of things. And I thought by the end of the year, they were playing as good a football as anybody. I don't know. Maybe Lincoln Riley will have somebody out at uh, USC that, that, that sparks up if they win the PAC 12. I, I don't know. It It's pretty wide open, but Bryce Young, I mean, has got a chance obviously going into the year to match Archie Griffin, you know, as a two-time 
uh, Heisman Trophy winner. So, um, you know, I think you start there and kind of work back from there. Uh, Georgia, do they have anybody with Stetson Bennett? Bennett probably wouldn't uh, factor in that because he's not going to put up maybe the numbers, but, you know, as a caretaker of that offense and a, you know, if he puts him in position to win another national championship, do you kind of give it to him as a career achievement award? I don't know, but uh, I think Stroud's got as good a shot as anybody. I think he, you know, he's going to pile up the numbers. He's going to push over 4,000 yards passing, uh, may make a run at the Haskins touchdown record if everything is equal. So uh, just depends how many garbage time touchdowns he gets because he's going to pile up some numbers. One more here. This is from Michael. He says, Dave, who do you expect will be the starting linebackers? Um, it's interesting. I mean, they're, they're only going to have two true starting linebackers. We've just seen little portions of practice. And when we're out there, they're not playing real football. They're just doing light drills and stretching. But I did notice last time we were out there, and we'll get to, we'll get to see practice tomorrow, again, stretching and some light drills for about a half hour. Um, I did notice, and, and read into this what you will. I, I wouldn't say you should read too much into it. But I did notice Steel Chambers and Chip Trainum, uh, DeMonte Trainum, the transfer from Arizona State, uh, who was a running back there. I noticed they were going first in drills. I will say this, though. I don't think they're just going to have two guys that are out there for the majority or for like 90% of the snaps in big games. I think they're going to rotate to a degree. I, I think Cody Simon's a guy that's going to be in the mix. Tommy Eichenberg finished the season strong. But right now, if I had to guess who's going to try it up there, the top two linebackers for the Notre Dame game, I would go with Steel Chambers and, and Chip Train, and from everything I have heard and seen. So there you go. Um, Steve, I know you I wanted like, to talk. Go ahead. I like Steel Chambers. Uh, I just wonder about Trayon. I'm coming from Arizona State where he was a running back. Does he come in and, and start over some people who are classically trained linebackers? Is Cade Stover in this mix, Tommy Eichenberg, Cody Simon? Uh you know, they've got some guys. Uh, Taraji P. Mitchell is still in there. So, um, you know, I guess we'll have to see. But, uh, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm open. Again, I think that, that that linebacker group, along with the defense, is going to be much improved. And, really, the best players are going to play. When you have an entirely new group of assistant coaches at all these positions, they're not going to play people on – seniority or patronage or anything like that it's it's who, who can produce and that'll be a refreshing uh take i think for ohio state i know you want to talk some hoops um give me yeah. that, but before we get to that i'm curious give me because i was asked this yesterday um give me a grade on chris holtman through year five your personal grade on chris holtman through year five and um Tell the listeners and viewers what you wanted to say about the what's, what's going on. This is a big week uh, for recruiting for the Hoops team. Yeah, I would give him about a B. I think, uh, you know, historically Ohio State has not been a Final Four, you know, program. Only, what, two or three of, three of them in the last 50 years. So um, it's great when they make it. Believe me, 99, 07, and uh, 12 were outstanding. Uh, but you kind of have to look on the back of the bubblegum card, you know, a little bit for Ohio State and notice that what that Mata did was a little bit of an anomaly. Four straight Sweet 16s, you know, pretty good. Uh, Ohio State should be better. Uh, Ohio State's women's program should be better. I mean, they made it to the Sweet 16 this year. For a, a university of this size, this magnitude, this reach, um, the basketball should be better. Let's just start with that. And I'm not indicting anybody in particular. I'm just saying, you know, good 
is good a lot of places, but not at Ohio State. You need to be great. And then we come around to the idea that the Big Ten is is in a crossroads here. Uh, they need to have a blue ribbon committee come together and decide what they're going to do about Big Ten basketball. Is it style play? Is it lack of blue chip recruits? Is it not paying the players as some of these blue bloods allegedly do? What? Well, what now is, you can do it legally, right? Yeah, now you can do it legally with NIL. They need to they need to step up your game because this is, you know. Uh, the NCAA tournament is Will Smith and the Big Ten is Chris Rock at this point. And it happens year after year after year after year where the Big Ten does not make any kind of a dent in March Madness. And it's not an Ohio State problem. It's a Big Ten wide problem. They didn't have guards. They didn't have playmakers this year. And I think that was what hamstrung a lot of these teams. Last thing I want to say about basketball, because I know everybody's got to get on with their day. There are six very important people who will shape the future of Ohio State basketball, and a lot of this will be determined in the next three months. Those are the two new assistant coaches. He needs sharks. He needs guys who will go search under every rock, find talent, find that diamond in the rough guy, but also get that top 20 guy. He needs sharks who are going to recruit. He needs guys who can develop talent and coach the game of basketball. Jim O'Brien. Thad Mata. What what do they have in common? Their tenures at Ohio State fell apart when those two head coaches failed to properly replace the great assistant coaches they showed up with with replacements who were sharks, who could go get the best talent, coach the game of of basketball and develop talent. I know O'Brien broke rules, and that was why Geiger got rid of him. I know Mata had the health problems, and that was part and parcel of why Gene Smith cut from him as well as the recruiting. But assistant coaches, those two hires are going to shape the back half of Chris Holtman's time at Ohio State. There's two. Then you have the two guys on you know on the roster, Malachi Branham, Justice Suing. Does Branham come back? Does Suing come back uh, from injury? And the last two guys, Dave – our transfer portal guys, question mark. You have that shadow outline right now of what you're looking for, a guard and a wing or a forward who can play the game of basketball. No more mid-majors. No more guys with back problems. No more guys that don't compete at the Big Ten level, can't compete at the Big Ten level. I, just speaking as, 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 as one person would say, two major conference players who have started at the major conference level, who has contributed and and been double-digit type guys. If Iowa State can get Gabe Kalsher and Isaiah Brockington and go to the Sweet 16, there's no reason why Ohio State can't do better than that and get guys that will help them go beyond, beyond the Sweet 16 next year. Those are the six people who will shape the back half of Chris Holtman's tenure at Ohio State, and he is on the clock. Go. Very well said, Steve. Great stuff from Steve Hellwagon. Really appreciate it, Steve. Thank you to all the listeners and viewers for tuning in. We appreciate that very much. If you like the show, give us a like, subscribe, give us a five-star review. All that stuff really helps. Thanks again for tuning in to the show. We appreciate it very much. Hope everyone has a great day. Bye.